Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, and Lord, we thank you for each one that is here present. Lord, we ask that in the singing of the songs, we would be able to hail your power to bring glory to your name. Lord, we're thankful that we don't worship a God who's in a tomb, or Lord, some man or group of men or some thoughts. We worship the creator of the universe. Lord, a personal creator who wants to have a personal relationship in each of our lives. Lord, we thank you that you became man, that you dwelt among us, and you died for us. But Lord, we praise you that death could not keep you in its power, that you rose again, and you ever lived to make intercession for us. Lord, we ask that you would use this time to change us that we may serve Thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. Bibles, if you would, and let's go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. How many of you believe that song we just sang? And we do serve the only true, the only great, the only living God. And we have a book called the Bible. And in that book, God gives us instruction for daily living and helps us. And, and I want us to look at Second Timothy chapter 2. Just uh, read a few verses. But before we read the actual text, uh, I'd like to just uh, give a background or a summary uh, of the chapter. The book of Second Timothy is... Paul's last instructions to Timothy, uh, he calls Timothy my son in the ministry. He trained Timothy, he put him there. Paul was now in the Mamertine dungeon uh, in the city of Rome. He was just awaiting his execution. Uh, that was a foregone conclusion. And in these last days of Paul's life, he wrote to Timothy. And he's given Timothy some instructions here. And chapter 2 is dealing mainly with the propagation or the continuing of the teaching and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, one thing that uh, is sometimes hard for us to, to really, truly get a hold of is that what we have here today at Open Door Bible Baptist Church uh, next Sunday actually will be our 22nd anniversary. Uh, 22 years our church has existed right here in Astoria. But uh, I want you to understand that Open Door Bible Baptist Church is not something new, even though, relatively speaking, we are. Uh, we're part of something that's been going on for a much longer time. And there are those that have tried uh, through history books and, and uh, through different things. Uh, I, I believe it's the, um, uh, yes, the Catholic Church makes a claim of unbroken popes from uh, Peter all the way to the present day. Uh, I, I will tell you that history does not bear that out. Um, uh, there was a time there in Rome when uh, you called the name Christ, 
you were burned at the stake. You were uh, uh, given to the animals in the Colosseum. Uh, there wasn't somebody in 250 A.D. running around saying, I'm the head of all the churches because the emperor of Rome was after him. Uh, it just didn't happen the way people said. Yet, Jesus did say this. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And history does prove this. That from the days of the apostle to this day, there have always been those that have gathered in the name of Jesus and taught the words that were in this book. I like the way one preacher put it. He said, the water is pure on the mountaintop. He said, the water is pure at the spring in the valley. He said, if I get out my pick and shovel and start at the spring and try to trace its roots back up to the mountains where the snow melts and begins to filter through the rocks and swells up in the ground to the point to where that spring just bubbles up through the surface of the earth. He said, the only thing that I would accomplish is polluting and destroying the spring. He said, I know it's pure on top. And I know it's pure in the valley. He says, I'll just trust God that it's pure in between. And, and that is my view of church history in a nutshell. And that is the reason I am a Baptist preacher today. And in verse 1 of chapter 2 here, Timothy is charged by Paul. And he tells him, listen the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And we go on down here to verse 14. And he said, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible, that Timothy is being instructed here by Paul that the emphasis of our study of God's word is not to unlock hidden truths that no one else has ever been smart enough to figure out. You know, if somebody comes along, I remember reading a book, uh, and it was on prophecy, and the guy was just so enamored with what he found. And he, he said in this book, he said, no one else has ever put this together. I closed the book and threw it away. Because if no one else has ever discovered this, it's not Bible. You see, God's Word is plain. And if it doesn't affect the way you live tomorrow, don't waste time studying it today. Amen? That's what Paul's saying here. There are groups of people who meet and, and boy, I'll tell you what, they can quote more verses than, than uh, five people who believe the Bible. They can quote all these verses and they got all these things and 
you know what? They got everything figured out. They know who the Illuminati are and black helicopters. I mean, they got it all. You know, coast to coast AM at night has nothing on some people. But that's not what the Bible's about, my friend. The Bible's about how to live. It's about how to walk today with the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if we were honest today, and if you can't be honest in church, where are you going to be honest? How many of you struggled with sin this past week? Since last Sunday morning, how many of you struggled with sin? If you're alive, you did. Uh, If you're going to sit there and say, I didn't have any problem with sin, well, that was because you were so busy sinning that you didn't even know you had a problem. And I'm not trying to be smart, Alec. I'm trying to be honest today. The simple thing is we fight every day. And there's doctrine in this book called the Bible that is here to help us. And Paul is telling Timothy, listen, there's got to be instruction. Because that instruction has to be to faithful men who are going to be able to teach others also. Because this isn't the only generation. We've got to keep this thing going. And it has been going since Paul penned these words to Timothy. But I want us to look at just a few verses, and this will be our text today. I want us to start in verses 11 and read down through verse 13. Some commentators have called this a hymn in the middle of uh, Paul's instruction here. I'm not sure about all of those things, but I do know that it is just one of those super saturated passages of things that God wants you and I to take note of. And starting in verse 11 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not... Yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. And all God's people say. I want us to look at these few verses. And if you like titles, uh, the title for this morning's message is, If we will, he will. That's what is happening here. Uh, in this little passage, if we will, he will. And we look here in the first one, it says, uh, verse 11, let's just get this uh, here as, as the final part of the introduction. It is a faithful saying. Now, when God says something is faithful, uh, that means you can take it to the bank. That means that uh, this is a part of Scripture that God wants to call your attention to. It says, if we be dead with him, we shall also, we also shall live with him. If we, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, what does it mean to be dead with him? Well, first, let's understand that him 
is Jesus Christ. Amen? I remember reading in one commentary, he was actually quoting Romans chapter 6, and it says, for by baptism we are buried into his death. And he said, see there, it's baptism that, that buries us into Christ's death. Now, let me tell you something. We're having a baptism today. And there are very few things I enjoy more than baptism. You know why? Because it's the public testimony of someone who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is a testimony that that person was just a little while ago on the road to destruction. They've repented. They've turned around. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you something. The waters of that baptistry don't make you any more saved than you were before you got in. And I'm glad to tell you that today. I'm glad to tell you that there's no physical ceremony that you can go through or that can be performed upon you that imparts God's grace to you. It is God that imparts His grace to you. He does all of the work. But this idea of being dead with Him, what is that? Well, you start at the beginning of the Bible and work all the way through. There's going to be two overriding themes in your book called the Bible. One is God's love to mankind. And God's desire to have a living relationship with mankind. And that second theme is, if man is going to have that relationship with God, if man will allow God to work in his life, he's got to come to an end of himself. You know, all Adam and Eve had to do in the garden was what God said. You know, when you obey someone else, When you listen to them, you know what you have to do to listen to someone else? You have to suspend your own direction. Isn't that true? You cannot do what you want to do and what someone tells you to do at the same time. It's not possible. Uh, If you want a shining illustration of that, join the Marine Corps. Doesn't that work? I mean, they only have one rule. Obey. And if you don't, it's not tough on them. Honest. It doesn't bother them a bit, but it's going to bother you an awful lot. Uh, They're kind of strict about that in the Marine Corps. But, you see, if you're going to get saved, if you're going to be born again the Bible way, it's not some electric or eclectic experience that makes you feel good. It's obedience to God's Word. It's the death of self. You say, how do I get that? Well, you surrender to Jesus Christ. Amen? You give up being you. 
Oh, but you don't understand. I've got that spark of divinity. Yes, uh, we we could uh, uh, give you that you may have a spark of divinity, but if it is, it's demonic, not heavenly. If there's any tendency in the human heart, it is not towards righteousness. It is toward evil. It is not toward obedience and glory to God, but rebellion against God. And so don't be looking inside to fan some little spark of whatever that might be in there. The Bible says, as we've quoted often here and will until Jesus comes back, the heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't look to know your own heart. Look to know the Savior. It says, if we be dead with Him. That's how you get saved, my friend. Is you give up yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's why you should get baptized after you're saved. Because... Once you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, why wouldn't you want to be publicly identified with Jesus Christ? Amen? Uh, Why wouldn't you want to be publicly identified with His church? A church that teaches the truth and teaches what the Bible says. This is what Jesus meant when He said, Listen, if you don't... Hate, he said, if any man hate not, and it goes through the list, and it ends that list with his own life also. You know, everything that's, we don't have time to go through that passage today in, in, in the book of Luke, but the, the problem is, we love people because of what we want them to do for us. That's human nature. And it is really the most destructive force in our society today. We can wrap it up in one word. Selfishness. We want what's best for me. All of us do. Only Jesus Christ can overcome that. That's what happens when you get saved. Amen? You surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. I give up my life. Baptism is the physical picture of that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 verse 24, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Paul is telling, this is a faithful saying, If if we will be dead with him, It says, we shall also live with him. You know, how many ever just get discouraged with everything going on around you? You need to remember something. If we're dead with him, we're going to live with him. We're going to be part of that kingdom that Jesus is going to sit up here on earth. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves 
and our frustration and our failures and put them on the Savior. We've got to look at the big picture. I'll tell you, we live in a world of divided loyalties. My loyalty is to the Savior. If I can be loyal to the Savior and be a good American, which I can be, I'm going to be. If I ever have to make a choice, that choice has already been made. Because if we're dead with Him, we're going to live with Him. And that is what life is all about. Amen? That second one says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. Now, this is a hard thing in modern America to teach and preach about. It really is. Because we think suffering for Jesus is when we're passing out a track on the street and somebody goes, I don't want none of that stuff. Uh, let, let me put it in its historical context. Paul was in a prison. Uh, the Romans were really good at building prisons. Uh, this one, there was no escape from. It was under the city of Rome. And just in case you had one of those ideas, like they talk about the guy with the spoon who digs himself out of prison, uh, the Romans actually built this prison, the Mamertine dungeon, where they say that Paul was being kept. Uh, They actually built it inside the sewers of Rome. So if you dug through the wall, uh, the only thing that you would accomplish is drowning yourself in the sewage of the city. Uh, Do you understand that even though stones are mortared and put into place, uh, that most rock is somewhat porous? If we have any guys with control, water will run right through bricks. And so that place was not a place that you would want to be. In the darkness, in the smells, in the sickness and the disease and the uh, rats and all of the things that were down there. This is where Paul was living. You know what Paul's only crime was? Preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, I just want to go a little nuts when I occasionally, and praise God it is only very occasionally, meet these people who just want to curse the government of the United States and talk about all the bad things that are out there and all the freedoms we've lost and And there is some truth to that. But let me tell you, they're not putting people in prison for preaching about Jesus. Uh, They're not putting people in prison today for righteousness. Some of you may be old enough to remember that preacher in 
Nebraska who was put in prison and they were actually having a prayer meeting in the church and and uh, the state police came in and carried people out of the church and locked the doors of the church and and uh, I was in Bible college at that time uh, in Missouri, not too far away, and we had some people that were up there and I mean they had preachers come from all over the country. And I remember the president of our Bible college at that time getting up and saying, I don't know all that's going on here, but I'm a little nervous about this thing. And everybody was going like, Dr. Gow, why, why wouldn't you be so for... Found out that this guy was into all kinds of things and hiding behind the Bible. He, he deserved to go to jail. It was a rotten situation. Let let me tell you something. Lots of people will hide behind their Bibles. But very, very few people are actually suffering for righteousness sake today. At least in this country. Now, you want to go to Saudi Arabia? Let me tell you, you, you could know what it means to suffer. For the cause of Jesus Christ. You go to mainland China. Our missionaries who are trying to serve God in Russia. I'll tell you it's it's not free. They say it is, but it's not. It says if we suffer for him. You know, I I would challenge you that probably the most that you'll ever suffer for the cause of Christ is giving up things that you ought to give up anyway as a Christian. You know what? You're, You're not suffering for Jesus because you don't go to movie theaters. You ought not be there in the first place. People say, why don't you go? Well, because you have no idea what I'm watching. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be identified with that. There are some people that uh, may have given up uh, uh, gains uh, or uh, possibility of getting uh, 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 a certain income because it's attached to things that the Bible doesn't say we ought to be involved in. Let me tell you, that's not suffering for Jesus. That's, that's back to the first part. If we be dead with Him, we're dead to the things of the world. If we suffer. Some of you know what it is to have a family that will make you suffer for the cause of Christ. That's what it's talking about here. You know, sometimes God asks asks us to go through physical suffering. But we better know that that's for Christ. Here's what Peter said. "But But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. If we suffer, it says, we shall also 
reign with him. Paul put it this way in the book of Romans, chapter 8. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'd like you to think about that. Have you lost a job because you were doing and your service to Christ? I know some people that have. Not very many, praise God. Doing right is not suffering for Christ. But it says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. Amen? And when we look at life and its circumstances, there are times when God does call us to endure suffering. But you've got to get your eyes off your pain and put them on the Savior. It was amazing as I was reading the commentary the, just to show you how far people go. He, he said, This passage endorses the primitive idea that living for Christ endured contradiction and suffering from the world. Now, is that a primitive idea or is that a biblical truth? If you're serving Christ, are you going to be in opposition to the world? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a biblical truth. And the world is going to do what they can to stop you from serving Christ. And if you're not careful, you'll let it overwhelm you and take your attention off the Lord Jesus Christ. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. Then comes this next one that's really, really misunderstood. It says, if we deny Him, He also will deny us. So I, I looked up the word deny in the dictionary. And I just want to read you the definition here so we make sure that we're started in the right direction. It says to refuse to admit the truth. To reject as untrue or unfounded the opposite of assert or maintain. To refuse to recognize or acknowledge a person or thing as having a certain character or certain claims to disown, disavow, repudiate, renounce. Do you get the idea there? The word deny means to refuse to admit the truth of something. It means to refuse to acknowledge the claims or the character, or the person of that, uh, that person has th such and such a character or claims. And so, the Bible says, if we deny Him, talking about Jesus, if we refuse to admit the truth of who Jesus is, if we reject as untrue or unfounded what Jesus claimed about Himself, if we refuse to recognize or acknowledge Him for who He is, for His character, or the claims that He have, if we disown Him, repudiate Him, or renounce Him. 
the Bible says he will deny us. Now, I want to challenge you to think about this for a minute. Can you refuse who Jesus Christ is and accept him as your Savior at the same time? No, that doesn't make any sense. But that's not what it says. It says that I can believe him here and refuse him over here. Uh, No, it doesn't say that. That's what people say. You see, if I accept him over here and then move on in my life and get to a point to where I no longer believe in him and deny him who he is and his claims to my life, what I'm doing is I'm giving evidence to what I said I believed over here was absolutely wrong and was not true. It was August 28, 1977. I trusted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. You know what? I failed Him, but He's never failed me. I cannot deny Him who gave all for me. I've often told the story of when I was in the nursing home cleaning floors and one of the ladies in there was watching her mother and, oh, you must be from that little Bible college over there. Yes, yes. And, and, well, you'll grow past all that stuff. Well, you know something? Uh, I think at my age, I've, I have the right to say I, I have grown And uh, I believe more in those things today than I did back then. You see, if you're dead with Him, you're going to live with Him. If you can deny Him, you're only giving evidence to the fact that you never believed in the first place. And let's take just a moment and go to Matthew chapter 7. You see, it's more than just verbally saying, Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need to be saved. Uh, The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And we don't want to make salvation any more complicated than it is. It's so simple that even a child, in fact, Jesus said, Unless you become converted and become as a little child, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's an adult that makes things complicated. But verse 21 of Matthew 7 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Just one interesting note. Uh, Anywhere in the Bible you find that Lord, Lord uh, put in there, it's always spoken by someone who doesn't believe in God. Someone who does believe in God doesn't need to repeat his name all the time. They don't need to emphasize it because they already believe it. Amen. And it says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, uh, is going to enter into the kingdom of God. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. 
Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I would like to challenge you today if you think you're keeping yourself saved because of your belief in God, if you think that somehow that God is pleased to have you as as his child, uh, you need to start checking out what kind of salvation you have. Amen? The Bible says if we deny him, if we refuse to acknowledge his claims, if we can deny Jesus, and, and I've heard people say these things. They said, how could God be so cruel to me? Well, you better be careful. You better examine what's going on in your heart because that is denying Jesus Christ. God is good. Period. There's never a time when he isn't good. Does God allow bad things to happen to people? Yes, he does. He has not promised you the absence of suffering. Uh, Remember, if we suffer... We shall reign with Him. Do you know that God may be using your life as an excuse, as a, uh, not as an excuse, I'm sorry, God doesn't need excuses, but as proof that when that person who harmed you and lied about you goes on trial before God, He's going to use the righteousness that he gave you and the wrong that they did toward you to judge them for their sins. You see, God's got a purpose in everything. And it's time for us to get our eyes off ourselves and put them on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, you're not saved. If all you have is some verbal assent to who God is, the Bible says we believe with our heart, and it's God that does the saving. And that's where the last one comes in. And this one, people love to make all kinds of things out of it, but what we want to do is just read what the Bible says, Second Timothy uh, chapter 2 and uh, verse 13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. It says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Do you know that there are diseases that can affect the human mind to where you won't even remember your own name? I worked as an orderly in a nursing home to get through Bible college. And uh, back then in the early and mid-80s, they had a new disease that they were working on. Uh, They had just named it and they were trying to figure out how it worked. And we still don't know a lot about it, a lot more today than we did then. It's called Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's can affect the human brain to the point to where you don't even know 
your husband or your wife of 40 years. You, you don't recognize anyone. Your mind is so clouded that it's not thinking. I want to tell you something. Jesus has saved me. And should I ever have to fight the battle with that horrid disease, I'm still saved. Even though my mind quits working. That's what this verse says. Do you know that saved people can do horrible things? Read the life of David. Did David lose his salvation? I mean, humanly speaking, shouldn't he? I mean, he took the wife of one of his most faithful servants, and then when things didn't work out to cover up his sin, he plotted the murder of this same man, and it was by his own hand he carried the note. And yet David was sure that the secret would never be revealed because of the faithfulness of Uriah. He would never read the communication. And that, you know what that note said? It said, Joab, take Uriah and put him where you know the most valiant fighters and then retire from him. Don't back him up so that he'll be killed. Read, read the book. And then David marries Bathsheba. doing actually what would have been understood by the people of Israel at that time as fulfilling the Lephrovite or the brotherly law of saying, my brother has died and there was no child to carry on his name and so I'll marry his wife and his child, our first child, will carry on the name of her dead husband. I mean, he was a hero in the sight of all of his people That's how wicked David was at this point. It says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. I'll tell you what. I'm glad that I preach for a faithful Christ today. It says, if we confess our sins, by the way, David did publicly. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if I believe that, I go just do whatever I want and come back to God and ask him, uh-uh, let's go back to... Uh, If we deny him, he'll deny us. That's not what it's talking about there, my friend. If we believe not, guess what? He abideth faithful. Because when you got saved, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God came to live in us. He cannot deny. That's what it means by he cannot deny himself. The Holy Spirit of God is living in you. 
And God's going to be faithful. If we're dead with Him, guess what? We're going to live with Him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, that's proof that we never had Him. And He will deny us. And if we really mess things up, He's still there. Because He cannot deny Himself. You see, your salvation isn't about you. It's about Jesus. Now, we're not going to be Calvinistic and say He chose you. That doesn't work that way. Because Jesus wants everybody to be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. But it also just taught that if we refuse Him, He's not going to make you get saved whether you want to or not. That's not the God of the Bible. But if you will come to Him, guess what? He'll save you and He'll save you forever. Now, all of this was a basis, was a foundational truth here to tell us and to motivate us to serve God. You know, every time we have a church service, we open this book and I try to teach from this book. My hope and prayer is you've learned some things today and you've heard some things that you've already known and been reaffirmed of those things. And what we've got to do is we've got to put our focus not on just the gaining of knowledge. Have you ever met anybody who was just full of knowledge? They're really awful to be around because all they do is correct you. But God doesn't want us to be full of knowledge. He wants us to be full of obedience to His Word. The two great commandments, love the Lord thy God and thy neighbor as thyself. That would make the world a different place now, wouldn't it? You know what? It might make your apartment a different place. In fact, it'd make any place you are a different place because you would bring the presence of Almighty God with you because only by God can you love Him and love those around you. I mean, if we're honest today, we're rather unlovely people at best. But, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can love each other and love our Savior till He comes. But you've got to die with Him first. It's the only way you have life. That's how you get saved. You give everything up. You surrender your life to Him. It is no longer yours. It belongs to Him. You know what? There will be some things that you're going to have to endure that aren't going to be pleasant. 
Praise God, it's not Mamertine dungeons and being fed to the lions in the Colosseum and all of those things that people in the past have endured. How much more should we use the freedom that God has given us to serve Him till He comes? Amen? If we deny Him, He'll deny us. If we believe not, if we really mess up, guess what? He's still there. We just need to walk with Him. We need to study His Word that we can approve what God wants us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. Lord, I cannot help but believe that there are people here that need to make choices in their lives. Lord, I pray for those here today that have not yet died with You. They've not yet trusted You as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today they would give up on themselves and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those that are suffering today. That they would be able to pull their eyes from their pain and the things that they endure and put them back on the Savior where they belong. Because there is a promise if we suffer. We're going to reign. Lord, I pray that there would be none here today who would deny You. Yet, Lord, if they're unsaved, they already have. I, I just pray that You would open the eyes of their heart to see and understand that it's a total surrender to Christ. And Lord... We may have those that are just struggling with messes that they have made in their life. Lord, we pray that it would not be as catastrophic as David's mistakes, but David made many other sins than just that one. And so have we, Lord. We pray that we would have grace to come before you again and admit our sins and confess them to You seeking Your forgiveness. Lord, we're glad that it doesn't depend on us, that it depends on You. We ask that You would empower us and encourage us as believers to open up the pages of this book and to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. We ask for your grace, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. 507 is the song of invitation.